0: Welcome to Sustainable Minds, exploring the interplay of corporate brand, core beliefs, and ESG. Brought to you by Baker. In every episode, we'll investigate how purpose, vision, and values can guide your company's sustainability actions, behaviors, and mindsets.
1: And we'll discuss their impact with the help of ESG-focused guests from around the globe.
0: I'm your host, Rocket. And I'm your host, Gary. Let's get started. Today, we're speaking with uh, Pratik Raval. Pratik is a well-connected global leader with over 20 years of proven experience in ESG and sustainability at the intersection of business strategy, technology, product and service innovation, risk management, regulatory compliance, non-financial reporting, and that's across multiple sectors. Pratik is recognized as a top 25 global leader in the sustainability by the Consulting Report and top 20 global sustainability thought leaders by CEO Magazine. Pratik is a partner and the head of Sustainability Strategy for Business Transformation at Tata Consulting Services. Pratik is an ex-adjunct professor from MIT and has lectured at a number of other prestigious academic institutions, international conferences, and symposiums. He has several degrees, a bachelor's of mechanical engineering from L.D. College of Engineering, master's degree in computing engineering from Ruhr University, and America Express and Harvard certification in leadership excellence from Harvard Business School. Pratik, welcome to Sustainable Minds. Thank you. Pleasure to have you.
2: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. As I was saying, our first guest was Elijah Ganapathy, and he's the chief social responsibility officer at Tata Consulting Services. He was our first guest in July of 2022. And he was really kind of interesting. He sort of framed it up. They talked about he's from the land of Gandhi, and now he lives in the land of King and he was referencing Martin Luther King and how both men had very strong personal beliefs and he drew comparisons to that. I thought that was kind of interesting. And he he talked about purposes the new tech. So that's really great. I wanna jump in on a key topic and that is sustainability as a driver for business growth and transformation.
1: We'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, break that down for us,
0: and then we're going to drill into that. But overall, describe how that works, if you would.
2: There are emerging realities of how certain non-financial factors affect businesses and their operations driven by many socioeconomic changes some of these are driven by the impact of climate change and therefore the regulatory requirements that are emerging to adapt the global economy to the effects of climate change some of this is driven by consumer awareness consumer demand And somewhere in between, between the regulatory requirement and consumer demand lies the whole spectrum of cascading effect of expectations of risk management, of risk reward of business initiatives, perception of companies through the products and services that they offer. And all of these companies have in recent years started to realize that these are creating material impact to business. And when I say sustainability as a driver for business growth and transformation, I mean to look at this formally considered non-financial factors, and define your business strategy your risk management considering these changes and see how companies can pivot as necessary to enable or be on top of this what i call global net zero economic transformation more specifically what it means is Realign corporate strategy to these environmental, social, and governance considerations, thinking about how emerging ecosystem of sustainable businesses and climate tech can be leveraged for new products and services, and as such, new revenue and growth opportunities. Considering risk from climate change, both direct impact, as well as the indirect impact from the economic transformation over long term into business continuity planning and enterprise risk management, as well as clearly communicating the initiatives, the strategies, and the long-term journey that the enterprise has undertaken to transform the business, to align with this. ESG, or environmental, social, and governance material aspects, is uh, what I mean by leveraging sustainability for business growth.
1: Yeah, it seems that companies that really embrace it, they are achieving a competitive advantage, operational efficiencies, beyond just The risk management element really helps people plan for the future as far as getting out of certain locations, getting into certain locations. It seems to give you opportunities to start anew rather than the legacy things that have been all sort of patched together that nobody's really thought about. And that can be very exciting and meaningful to a business for the future.
2: Absolutely. And I, there are a number of examples across industries and regions where we are seeing how sustainability-driven thinking is helping create new products, whether it is from what is known as life cycle assessment-based product design in manufacturing, in healthcare, Industries, for example, or creating, leveraging this kind of emerging ecosystems. See, one of the key aspects. I'll go here a little bit deeper on what I mean by this ecosystem. Unlike before, we have seen cooperation with, amongst historical competitors to help build an ecosystem of climate tech or climate-related products because this is a challenge that not one company can solve for as such we have seen industry consortiums forming where they are coming together not necessarily to exchange ips right intellectual properties but really to create this kind of end-to-end ecosystem take the transformative uh, transformation that is happening in the automobile sector right how It is not limited only to auto manufacturers, but how, for example, insurers are getting involved, how utility companies are getting involved into kind of creating this EV charging infrastructure, how lenders are getting involved, banks are getting involved into kind of offering specialized lending products for enabling this, right? So it is kind of a whole new way of doing and looking at the business Compared to before, that did not exist. So that seemed like, oh, this is kind of competing interest. Rather now, companies and businesses within the industry, as well as across sectors, are coming together to kind of support and build this ecosystem. And I think that is very exciting. And that has started yielding, obviously, longer term transition, but also short term revenue growth opportunities.
1: Green buildings, it all fits together where there's both the opportunity of creating the new products, but also, as you say, everybody adapting to this whole new world that ends up being
2: more efficient and can drive profits. Correct. And I think in this process, so using your example, real estate, let's take that sector as an example, right? What has happened in real estate is that because of the drive to make the built environment, let's call it right, both indoors and outdoors, mm-hmm. more efficient, that has driven designers to rethink how to design spaces. And what I mean by that, is, that this is not only about designing HVAC systems, but it is about what makes us comfortable inside the spaces, inside the building. I'll give you an example. And I think this is something that we all experience who live in the United States specifically. And this is just an example. But in the U.S., for example, I used to live in New York where my landlord controlled the heating thermostat in the building. So on a moderate November day or December day, my room will be so hot that I would have to open the window to let cold air in, to compensate for the hot that is generated. And that is obviously a waste of energy, and that is not sustainable. But the fundamental issue here is the comfort, right? How it makes people feel in the space. In this sector, sustainability has led designers, engineers, developers to rethink the human aspect of being in a built environment, This is another example of how sustainability is affecting not directly just the business, but also improving or adding this kind of human-centric considerations into the business.
1: And really, it goes across environmental, social, and governance categories that they should be considering that humanistic angle. That's interesting. That's interesting to think about it. I know that a lot of products and services with that circular consideration are focused on when they design things for it to already be thinking about the reuse and the continuum, but I don't think as much about the comfort and the humanistic side of the design. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, I think going back to your point about circularity and lifecycle-based product design. What that has triggered for companies is, again, rethink, going back to my point about business growth and transformation, right? Companies have started to rethink their business offering. Now, I am saying offering, not product or service. The reason is that before, instead of, and this is not applicable to all products, for example, but in some instances, Companies have started thinking about not necessarily selling products and transferring the operational liability, let's call it, to the purchaser. Rather, what companies have started doing is that they've started offering products as a service, leasing the product. Think of it as like a multi million dollar machinery, right? That a company is selling to a manufacturer. In certain cases, has started happening is that. Instead of selling this machinery, they are offering this as a lease, which sits on the production floor of the manufacturer. And therefore the business offering becomes more service oriented. If there is a breakdown, the company that produced that machine goes and repairs, the design itself is now modular. So that the original manufacturer can change the parts of the machine, right? So that is another example of how sustainable thinking has led to new business offerings or of way of doing business differently, which is a win-win, obviously not from a business perspective, but also ultimately to the environmental aspect and also service aspects, right? Because now the purchasing entity gets better service, Right? So this is, again, an example of how sustainability is changing the way business is done. And I'm using different sectors as examples to kind of talk about the nuances across uh, different sectors. But ultimately, the theme is better products or better offerings, more revenue growth, new business opportunities, ecosystem, and ultimately a better servicing or human-centric kind of business approach.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because companies that are coming into being that really, you know, they help not having that excess and waste of every company buying one and having it, but using the efficiency like some of the companies that share cars. I know I have friends in Philadelphia. They don't own a car. They just rent for hours a car that's a community car that everybody uses once a week and it's efficient and everybody doesn't have to buy a car and it's better for the climate because of that. I know what you're saying. Also, I think what's interesting is how certain industries are, I mean, they're in the same business, but they're creating like ecosystem tourism. It's a whole new category that is expanding. It's the same industry, but it's a different take on it. And the people who are attracted to that and what they do with that is really more sustainable, more eco-friendly, more that that orientation really changes or opens up new pathways and opportunities for companies.
2: Absolutely. I think from a consumer perspective specifically, I have seen studies after studies in last three to five years which indicate that sustainability is one of top three criteria for consumers globally. Obviously, there is variation regionally, there is variation in by age. The studies that I have seen show that consumers in developed economies are even more considerate of sustainability, of the products and services, and therefore, as an extension, the company that they buy from, right? So communicating your offerings, your products, your business strategy, effectively, both from a regulatory perspective, as well as to a consumer today, is absolutely an important aspect and that is also driving some changes in the internal corporate communications, the investor relationship related functions, right? I also want to talk about consumer focused aspects of sustainability, for example. And I will here I will use, let's say, the finance industry as finance sector as example, right? We see products that are catered towards personal value. So what do I mean by this? What I mean by this is that one of the key critique of ESG as a consideration is obviously the lack of data, lack of transparency, as well as kind of not a universally aligned language of what ESG and what factors are to be considered. And I think it's a discussion worth having. But what also that tells me is that Personal values are different. I mean, it's individual values, right? While generally speaking, population may say that yes, we want sustainable action from companies and products. What it means individually is still different, right? So what we have seen with that context, what we have seen in financial sector is that now companies are offering investment products, wealth management products that are aligned specifically to your values and that helps you understand what your portfolio holds and how your portfolio investment or wealth management aligns with your own personal values right this is emerging area of new business new business opportunity right and we have seen studies where investors uh, that are surveyed say that Even high net worth individuals, they say that one of the key feedback is that their wealth manager, wealth management advisors do not talk about anything when they talk about their portfolio management other than returns. They would like to have considerations around their personal values. So there are indications of how this is important even when it comes to money management. And we have seen progress from financial sector companies in terms of how they are offering this kind of personalized views of the products and services that they offer in alignment with individual values. And finally, I think one point I'd like to mention Because I mentioned all these sectors, different aspects, how sustainability are driving transformation across different sectors, one key underlying element, at least in my perspective, that is enabling this and solving some of the challenges is technology, right? Whether it is for data exchange and data management, whether it is understanding your personal values, whether it is Using, for example, IoT to, in my previous example of this kind of service based offering for within the industrial and manufacturing uh, sector, how IoT can enable uh, this kind of preventive services so that it enables this kind of circularity based product offering. So we see significant importance of how technology of all kinds is enabling across sectors, this kind of business transformation led by sustainable thinking.
1: Yeah, and as well as limited resources in the world, I mean, it's disrupting so much. I was wondering, I know that you spend a lot of time doing leadership and talking, counseling, advising, you know, C-suite people. And do you see a big change in the last four years where you're able to get the attention of leadership to really start mining the opportunities or are they being sort of dragged by their feet (laughs) into having to think about these things?
2: I think the answer is more about depends on what is the business value proposition. I have never met Any person, and I can say this, any person, whether an executive or a regular person, to be honest, who doesn't want to do good, right? Again, good is subjective, but who doesn't want to do good? It just, they sometimes need a perspective as to how sustainability aligns with their definition of good or better or improved, right? So this is what I have in in last five years that there are people like myself and a lot of my peers who are now coming with a business background, technology background, who can explain how sustainability can really be part of business consideration. I think that is the change that I've seen in the last five to seven years. And so it is less about resistance or acceptance, but it's more about demonstrating the value, whether it's C-suite, whether middle management, or whether to my kids, to be honest.
1: Well, you know, we do a lot in corporate branding and we work with people with their cultures and with their values and getting employees, you know, really involved in what the company stands for and what its vision is for the future. And I was wondering, How have you felt about, I know you've been involved in talking about sustainability communications and how that just isn't out to the world, but it's also external and internal needs to happen so that you get everybody rowing in the same direction. And I often wonder if these days board members are really experienced enough or knowledgeable enough to contribute to this journey. How do you think the best way for companies to do these things, to internally bring along everybody
2: on the journey? I think, when, uh, in my perspective, when we say communication, there are obviously there is external and internal. Even within external, there is regulatory and voluntary, right? I just recently, actually, I was curious. So I did this math. Currently, as it stands right now, companies that are doing business in about a third of global GDP economies, they have to comply with some form of ESG or sustainability regulatory reporting. That is expected to grow to more than 50% of global GDP economies. Right. So there is a growing momentum in. from from regulators around creating this kind of economy-wide understanding and communications and data exchange around sustainability. Because as we discussed before, this is an ecosystem play, right? Both climatically as well as business-wise. So that is one aspect. And I think that some form of standardization probably helps, at least in external communication, as well as sharing data amongst businesses i think internal communication i have seen a lot of the time driven by leveraging external communication and formulating them and formulating them and highlighting them specifically in the internal communication right i have seen significant increase in percentage of sustainability highlighted points In internal communications, now or in last five years, compared to before, right? In internal communications, companies are talking about what their sustainability goals are, what their vision is, what their strategy is. Again, sharing what they can, but with a larger internal stakeholder group, has, in my first-hand experience, has helped. In my previous job, I have seen. And this was around this period of what was known as Great Resignation, right, where everyone was trying to manage attrition rate. I've seen in my previous jobs how HR functions have used sustainability to both retain talent as well as attract talent. This I had never seen before. I see not yet enough, but growing importance of how sustainability is communicated internally with different stakeholders at the corporate level.
1: Our background in Ann Reports, we started our company on Ann Reports. We were one of the largest West Coast producers of them at one time before the internet. And then we started to get into corporate branding heavily. It's really the themes of old Ann Reports that were the communication platform for the year and for their investor deck and things like that it really has sort of the foundation and evolved what your company stands for and i see that one of the reasons why it's so important to incorporate now sustainability messages you know is really intertwined with what your company stands for and how are you going to get there and that, you know, as you said earlier, there are people in the world. All of us want to do good, and we all want to belong to something. So, yeah. you know, it's sort of mining both the individual values as well as the company values, and getting, as you say, the alignment with it all.
0: Well, you know, to that point, we're going to start helping a uh, global industrial client do a global talent acquisition campaigns and strategy. And 10 years ago, I know that they probably didn't have a sustainability strategy, right? And uh, I'm sure they had a corporate social responsibility program going. It was sort of a separate thing over on the side. (laughs) Yeah. But now I'm going to make sure that sustainability Their strategies, their actions, their ambitions, and their results are part of the key messaging because people want to work for companies that are doing good. As you said earlier, this has become very, very important to people around the globe.
1: Yeah, people with the skills that you need. I just read an article yesterday that was saying how uh, very highly skilled people at companies are ready to leave their jobs for a more sustainable company. That surprisingly, the percentage was very, very high. It's really a risk management thing if you're not moving in that direction as far as
2: being able to find and retain the people you need. Right. I think I also come across similar studies. I think the message here ultimately is that sustainability, Needs to be defined clearly by the company, and it can definitely be leveraged for talent attraction and retention. That is what I have been seeing in getting increased importance in my career. Again, building more momentum in recent years, absolutely correct. With that in
1: mind, It's sort of surprising how the (laughs) anti-ESG movement or whatever ideology or whatever that is, how that doesn't line up at all with the research that is saying, if you want to make money, you better be paying attention to these things. We had CEOs that were saying that they're downplaying their messages publicly about some of that. And I find it unusual pushback.
0: Well, Pratik uh, recently wrote about how anti-ESG bills are failing to become law.
2: Yes, I came across this study where it was interesting for me at least to understand what is the percentage rate of ESG or anti-ESG bills that are proposed versus actually become law. I think personally, I think this is a necessary conversation because as practitioners, we know that things can be better. So It is a necessary conversation, absolutely. And I think things will settle eventually. Ultimately, whether we call it ESG or not ESG or whatever, there are material, non-financial aspects that affect businesses, regardless of factor, and businesses need to consider them, whether you call it ESG or not. Yeah, I'm not very focused on the semantics. Again, I think from my perspective also, as I mentioned, being aware of the actual data, right, and not noise around this whole debate is important. So in summary, yes, the debate, I think absolutely is important. But also being aware, as I mentioned, of the facts around the debate is also equally important. As I mentioned in that, that as I found out from that study that was tracking anti-ESG bills proposed versus past.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So you're immersed. This is your world. What keeps
2: you up at night, Pratik? What do you worry about? <laughs> to be honest, nothing keeps me up at night. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> good for I, you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean I have young children, so I I'll learn to sleep through noise and cakes <laughs> and all of that, right? So <laughs> but no, I think what is definitely something that we need to accelerate is find a way to Limit our impact on climate change in a way that is beneficial to the business and economy, right? Because the world is going to see the changes in climate, and we have a choice to either go through that change in an orderly fashion, as the IPCC report says, or in a chaotic fashion, right? And I think the thing that I hope we as societies and individuals and companies do is that we opt that orderly transition path.
1: It's interesting because it's also climate. It affects all of us. (laughs) I mean, some of the other aspects of ESG, I mean, obviously different regions, different countries, different philosophies, different religions will affect How they approach, you know, like the social aspect of things, but climate is across the board, and you wonder how it's going to not just affect the partnership in companies and individuals, but also governments, because we're talking about the planet and the world. So, yeah, yeah, I I agree, orderly fashion
2: would be preferable. (laughs) I hope the choose that path. And I think to your point about the variation, you are absolutely right. I think what I always say is that the climate or environmental aspect, the impact of it is global, but it also varies by factors mm. from a business perspective. For example, oil and gas industry versus technology. Everyone will be affected, but will be it is affected differently. Social aspect, however, is more regional, not by sector. So, what is the definition of diversity, equity, inclusion in the U.S. is the matrix? Let's call it the definition is still the same, but the matrix, how you measure that in the U.S. is different than, for example, how you would measure that in India versus in China versus in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. So. I think these are some of the nuances, but I would say that the impact of climate is, to your point, global, absolutely, without boundaries. To some extent, in this globalized world, I think the impact of social is also global. It starts local, obviously, but it dissipates globally. So, yeah, the implications, as I mentioned, right, ultimately going back to IPCC, and we have two choices, orderly or chaotic. I know it was orderly.
0: Yes. So true.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) So much has evolved over the past five years. You've seen so much evolve. Pratik, we're doing this podcast in five years out. And I'm going to 2028. What has changed? And what will we be talking about on that podcast?
2: That's a good question. I think what has changed is that we have better access to data to reduce the ambiguity around decision-making, leverage by technology. I definitely see that technology is the answer here. But I think that has changed in five years. What has also changed is because of the availability of data, the communication has become more clear. whether it's regulatory reporting, et cetera, right? And then I think what will we be talking about is really around how do we accelerate this transformation now that we have better data and better reports and better models? So I think, yeah, I think data definitely has changed. If I was talking in 2028, the need for business transformation driven by an understanding of sustainability and how it affects, still stays the same and it's going to accelerate and increase.
1: Transparency and trust, I think, go along with that more reliable data and honesty or not being vague in the beginning with ESG reports, people would sort of either focus on one initiative, but they wouldn't really talk about all the things that they were doing that wasn't in compliance, or they were just vague about it. And I think that as third-party certification gets more popular, it costs money. So I think that that's the reason why it's slowly being adopted, but that helps, too, because they know that the technology is measuring the right things
2: that they're looking
1: at. You don't have yes. the smoke screens as much,
2: the greenwashing. Partly, yes, partly because I don't know about the fate of greenwashing, but how... It will improve in terms of data. Is that as we discussed, business A relies on the data from their supplier, business B, and their client, business C, right? So, for example, and this is the whole continuum, right? And therefore, sharing of data, understanding of its impact across business value chain will make it. At least insightful, if not better, but insightful to make strategic decisions, right? And I think that is that is where I see significant improvement happening in the next few years. And I think that is foundational, absolutely. I, I think as you are also alluding to that it brings trust and transparency, therefore reducing the questions around the usefulness of a lot of this discussion. So I think, I, I, I hope by 2028 we are at least there and more, of course. Great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pratik, our this has
0: been a great conversation. Our time has just flown by here. Greatly appreciate your time today. Thank you. And I kind of want to do this again next
1: week because there's so much <laughs> there's more, so
0: much more. Now, that we could d- <laughs> dig into, but uh, we'll save that for maybe not next week, but uh, in the sometime
2: in the near future. <laughs> great. Thank you so An much. Absolute, absolute pleasure, both, both Roxanne and Gary. I really appreciate you reaching out, having a conversation and allowing me to have this time with you guys. Thank yeah, you. Great. great, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Sustainable Minds wherever you get your podcasts. And please do live a review if you like what we're doing.
0: It helps others discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. If you want to find out more about how we can help you evolve your corporate brand, culture, and ESG, head to BakerBrand.com.
1: See you on the next episode of Sustainable Minds, exploring the interplay of corporate brand, core beliefs, and ESG.